Hi, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we're reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text intro to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is day nine. Today we'll be reading part two, Instructions for Elevating the Soul to God Through Prayer and the Sacraments, chapters 9 through 12, pages 131 through 139 in the Ascension edition of this book. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we'll cover today. In this episode, we'll continue hearing from St. Francis and his advice for mental prayer or meditation, how to enter into this type of prayer. Uh, Recall that All this begins by putting ourselves in the presence of God, as St. Francis says. We do this only by God's grace, asking him for the grace to pray. I think something that we all experience in prayer in this spiritual life is dryness, dryness in prayer. Perhaps nothing seems to be happening. I don't hear or feel anything. I don't want to pray. I'm not that motivated. It's, It's boring. I think this is a normal experience, something experienced even by the greatest of saints. And St. Francis discusses this today. He gives us some hints to help keep us motivated, as it were, to continue forming the habits of prayer in the devout life so as to withstand, so as to persevere through dryness and, and great times of prayer alike. So with that, we'll say a quick prayer and then turn to our reading. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 9. On the dryness sometimes experienced in meditation. Now, Philothea, if you should happen to feel no relish or comfort in your meditation, I beseech you not to be disturbed. Rather, open your heart in vocal prayer, lamenting to the Lord, confessing your unworthiness, imploring him to assist you, kissing an image of him if you have it at hand, repeating to him the words of Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Or those of the Canaanite woman, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Or on other occasions, you may take up some spiritual book and read it attentively until your spirit is awakened and returns to you. Or you may need to stir up your heart by means of some attitude or gesture of devotion, prostrating yourself on the ground, crossing your hands upon your chest or embracing a crucifix, so long as you are alone or in some private place. But if, after all this, you receive no comfort, do not be disturbed, however great the dryness. Rather, continue to keep yourself in a devout posture before God. How many courtiers go a hundred times a year into the prince's company without a hope of actually speaking to him, but rather desire only to be seen by him and to pay him their rightful homage? So too we, my dear Philothea, come to holy prayer purely and simply to pay our rightful homage and to testify on behalf of our fidelity. And should it please the Divine Majesty to speak to us and to converse with us through the holy aspirations and interior consolations, that it would surely be a great honor and delightful pleasure for us. 
However, should it not please him to thus come to us through his grace, but rather to leave us without speaking to us as though we had never been in his presence, then we must not depart, but much to the contrary must remain before his sovereign goodness with a devout and quiet countenance. He will observe our diligence and will be pleased with our patience. On another occasion, when we present ourselves to him, he will bestow on us his grace and converse with us, making us experience the sweetness of holy prayer. However, if he were to withhold this, let us rest content, Philothea, for it is already a great honor to be here near to him and under his gaze. Chapter 10. Morning Exercises. In addition to this full and complete mental prayer, along with the additional vocal prayers that you ought to say once every day, there are five other shorter kinds of prayer which are, as it were, the little offshoots of your principal prayer. The first is the morning offering, which is general preparation for all the works of the day. It may be offered in the following manner. 1. Adore God with profound zeal and give him thanks for having graciously preserved you through the past night. And if during the course of the night's hours you happen to commit any sin, implore his pardon. 2. Consider that the present day is given you so that during its course you may gain the future day of eternity. Therefore, firmly intend to employ it well, with the very intention of making it the antechamber of eternity. 3. Consider what business, conversation, and opportunities you are likely to encounter as you strive to serve God in them. Likewise, think of what temptations may befall you, leading you to offend him, either through anger, vanity, or any other unmeasured state of soul. Thus prepare yourself with a firm resolution to make the best use of those means that may present themselves this day as you strive to serve God and advance in devotion. Likewise, on the other hand, dispose yourself carefully to avoid, resist, and overcome whatever might be detrimental to your salvation and to God's glory. Indeed, it does not suffice that you make this resolution. You must also prepare the means of putting it into execution. For example, if I foresee that I will interact with someone who is passionate and easily angered, I will not only resolve to refrain from offending him in any way, but will also prepare words of meekness so as to prevent his anger or will consider how I can make use of someone else's assistance in order to keep his temper at bay. If I foresee that I shall have an opportunity to visit some sick person, I will arrange the time to do so and consider how I might comfort and assist him, and so forth. 4. Having done all this, then humble yourself in God's presence. Acknowledge that on your own you can fulfill none of these resolutions, either as regards avoiding evil or doing good. And with your heart in hand, offer it together with all your good plans to the divine majesty, beseeching him to take it under his protection and to strengthen it, so that it may prosper in his service, using the following or similar words. Behold, O Lord, this poor and miserable heart of mine, which through your goodness has given birth to some good affections, though, alas, for itself is too weak and wretched to execute on the good which it desires, unless you bestow upon it your heavenly blessing, which to this end I humbly beseech you, O merciful Father, through the merits of the passion of your Son, to whose honor I consecrate this day and all the days of my life. However, all these spiritual acts should be made briefly and fervently before you leave your bedroom, if at all possible. Thus, by means of this exercise, all that you do throughout the whole day thereafter may flourish with the blessing of God. But I beseech you, my dear Philothea, never to fail to take up this practice. Chapter 11. Evening Exercises and Examination of Conscience Just as you should dine spiritually through meditation before you take your bodily dinner, 
So too, before you take your supper, you must prepare a devout and spiritual supper, or at least a small but devout and spiritual meal. Make then some opportunity just before supper, and then prostrating yourself before God and gathering together your spirit in the presence of Jesus Christ crucified, whom you may represent to yourself by a single consideration and an interior gaze, kindle anew in your heart the fire of your morning meditation, making use of a dozen lively aspirations, acts of humility, and brief loving phrases, expressing them toward the divine Savior of your soul. Or you may repeat the points of your morning meditation that were most delightful for you, or stir yourself up to devotion by means of some new spiritual subject, as you feel best. As for your examination of conscience, which must always be made before bedtime, everyone knows how to perform it. 1. We give thanks to God for having preserved us throughout the day that has passed. 2. We examine how we have behaved each hour of the day. To facilitate this reflection, we consider where we have been, with whom, and in what business we were employed. 3. If we discover that we have done any good, we offer thanks to God for it. If, on the other hand, we are guilty of any evil in thought, word, or deed, we ask pardon for it beseeching his divine majesty and firmly resolving to confess it on the first opportunity and carefully to amend our ways. 4. Afterwards, we commend to the divine providence our soul, body, the church, our relatives, and our friends. We pray to the mother of God, our guardian angel, and the saints, asking them to watch over us and for us, and with God's blessing, to take the rest that his will has appointed for us. This exercise, like our morning exercise, must never be overlooked, for by the morning exercise you open the windows of your soul to the sun of righteousness, and by this evening one you close them against the darkness of hell. Chapter 12. On Spiritual Recollection With special affection and concern I wish, O dear Philothea, that you follow my counsel concerning this matter, for in it lies one of the most assured means of your spiritual advancement. As often as you can through the course of the day, return in spirit to God's presence, following one of the four ways I indicated earlier. Heed well what God is doing and what you are doing. You will find his eyes turned toward you and constantly fixed upon you with his incomparable love. Then say, O my God, why do I not turn my eyes always toward you, just as you always look upon me? Why do you ceaselessly think of me, O my Lord, and why do I seldom think of you? Where are we, O my soul? Our true place of rest is God, and where do we find ourselves? As birds have nests in the trees so that they may rest there as they have need, and as deer have thickets and coverts where they may rest and hide themselves, enjoying the cool shade in the heat of summer, so too our hearts, O Philothea, must choose some place each day, either on Mount Calvary, or in the wounds of our Lord, or in some other place near to him, to retreat to at every opportunity, so that we may there refresh and recreate ourselves amidst our external affairs, taking refuge there as in a fort, seeking safety from temptations. Blessed is the soul that can say to our Lord, my refuge and my fortress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. Therefore remember, Philothea, to make occasional retreats into the solitude of your heart while you are outwardly engaged in affairs or conversation. This mental solitude cannot be prevented by the great multitude around you, for they encircle your body, not the depths of your heart. Thus, your heart may remain alone in God's presence. 
Such was the life led by King David amid his many occupations, as he testifies endlessly in his Psalms, as when he says, I keep the Lord always before me. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Indeed, our occupations are not ordinarily so serious that we cannot from time to time withdraw our heart from them and readily place it anew in this divine solitude. When St. Catherine of Siena's father and mother had deprived her of every opportunity of place and leisure to pray and meditate, our Lord inspired her to make a little interior oratory within her soul so that she might mentally retire there amidst her external affairs, finding leisure in this holy solitude of her heart. And whenever the world afterwards assaulted her, she received no inconvenience from it. For as she said, she shut herself up in her inner room where she comforted herself with her heavenly spouse. Thus, she thereafter counseled her spiritual children to create a room in their hearts and make that their dwelling. Thus, from time to time, withdraw in spirit into your heart, where separated from all men you may speak heart to heart with God concerning the affairs of your soul. Say with David, I am like a pelican in the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on a housetop. Now beyond the literal meaning of these words, which prove that this great king spent solitary hours contemplating spiritual things, they also point out in their mystical sense three excellent retreats, as it were three hermitages, where we may take solitude in imitation of our Savior. On Mount Calvary, he was like the pelican in the wilderness, which revives her dying little ones with her own blood. In his nativity, in a desolate stable, he was like the owl in a ruined building, mourning and weeping for our offenses and sins. And on the day of his ascension, he was like the sparrow, flying high up to heaven, which is, as it were, the housetop of the world. And these three solitudes we may make our spiritual retreats, even amid the turmoil of our employments. When the blessed Eliezer, Count of Arian in Provence, had been absent for a long time from his devout and chaste Delphine, she sent a letter to him so that she might learn of his health. In answer, he told her, I am very well, my dear wife, but if you desire to see me, seek me in the wound of the side of our sweet Savior, for it is there that I dwell, and there you will find me. If you seek me elsewhere, you will look for me in vain." This was a Christian nobleman indeed. In the last episode, we talked about the relationship between prayer, service, worship, that we are striving to live the devout life, a life that includes the different parts of what we do, but also, as Father Gregory astutely pointed out, and the, the different parts of who we are that God wants that God wants everything, that God wants all that we are. And and St. Francis continues to develop these themes or this theme in, in these chapters. He reminds us that when we are, are, are through with our prayer, when our time for prayer is ended for that day or for that time, we ought to keep the thoughts of God and the resolutions that we've made um, in mind, that we ought to pursue them throughout the day. So this leads us to another question. Okay, great piece of advice, great words of encouragement for the devout life, but how do we do that? How do we, um, in our day, keep the thoughts or the things of, of prayer in our mind before us? How do we pursue those resolutions that we made? How do we sort of summon the resolve? I don't know, Father Gregory, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? What do, how do we kind of, I guess, like keep the devout life train chugging along even outside of times of prayer? Yeah, I think that um, 
a good place to begin is with the recognition that there are enemies ranged against us. All right, so the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, enemies in different senses, but the world wants to make you worldly. Your own flesh wants to make you fleshly, and the devil wants to make you diabolical. And there's a kind of general tendency downward, right? So we we tend to slip and slide into mediocrity, lukewarmness, and any number of sins and vices if we just leave our humanity to its own devices. And the recognition is that if we are going to cultivate a devout life, it has to be by steady effort, right? By steady consent to and cooperation with the grace that God gives. Um, so yeah, there, there are enemies ranged against us. And if we're going to advance the campaign of battle, if we're going to push the front further and further into enemy territory, then we need to make you know, like frequent acts of devotion, frequent acts of prayer. We need to call to mind. We need to recollect. We need to place ourselves in the presence of God throughout the course of the day. I think about it. I've made mention of Switzerland in past episodes, but um, I'm always amazed by snow machines. When you go to these, um, you know, like ski resorts, I, I will often hike next to ski resorts because if it's a ski resort, that means that it's not so steep that it's a mountain that kills people. So I'll be like trudging along with my little snowshoes next to the ski course as people whiz past me and, and pity me for my meager mode of transportation. And um, I look at these big snow machines and they take water, right? They make snow and they make it such that a ski resort can continue to function well into the spring. But I mean, the sun is beating down and the skiers are going over it and the elements are such that that snow is constantly being encroached upon and melted and destroyed. And so if we're going to, you know, like continue to keep this thing operational, we need to just continue to produce snow. And sometimes, you know, like the spiritual life is like that. You just need to continue to refer back to the grace of God, draw from that source of strength and, you know, generate as it were these acts of prayer and devotion and other things besides because, yeah, they're... They're coming for you, not in the sense that we need to be afraid because we have far greater help in God than we have enemies ranged against us. But yeah. Yeah. I think another way to think about um, that, what what you're saying um, is, is to make the distinction between perfection and perseverance. You know, our Lord calls us to be perfect, but he doesn't demand that we be perfect before we can pray, before we can meditate, before we can be with him, you know, those sort of things, how that, that list is endless. It's, it's through our coming to these things that were made perfect by God's grace. Um, so if we think, if we approach the life of prayer and meditation as like, uh, as something that like we have to have worked out, I have to work this out perfectly and figure out what my prayer routine is and get this down and uh, et cetera, et cetera, before I can really encounter the Lord, we've kind of missed the point because it's in that it's in like the continual pouring of of snow, you know, the continual uh, dumping, I don't know if it pours, spraying of snow, whatever it does, however it puts the snow on the ground. Uh, it's Christ is, is there. And he makes us holy in that. But so we're not rewarded for being perfect. We're, we're rewarded as it were. We're drawn more in by our perseverance, as Father Gregory was saying, you know, by, by returning, by building the habits, by, by continually spraying, pouring, whatever it is, the snow, by, by persevering. And, and one of the challenges to the perseverance are these, these enemies that Father Gregory described. And, and from all of those angles can, you know, can, can summon up this sort of like dryness, right? That like where prayer becomes distasteful. We don't want to do it. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I think it's like the perennial battle of prayer. I've been, Father Gregory too, we've been in religious life for, for at this point, over 12 years. And I would have thought if you had asked me 12 years ago when I was entering, what would my 
contemplative life have been like 12 years down the line, it would have been, I would have thought, you know, I'd be levitating and, you know, things would be awesome, but, you know, affected by dryness all the time, but like, okay, fine. So it happens, but like, why does that happen? What's, I think it's worth saying a word about that. You know, if we can attribute any reasons, what do you have there? Yeah. So, um, I think that this is what we've seen to this point in the introduction of the devout life. He's trying to take us by the hand and lead us through the recognition of obstacles or impediments to our growth in the devout life. He starts, you know, with sin and then the desire for sin. And then he stirs up contrition by proposing these different meditations. And so I think in our own life, we can kind of trace, um, we can progress through steps to the recognition of what it is that keeps us from being God's holy and entirely. And so sin, you know, habitual sin uh, is is a first place to which we direct our attention in the context of the sacrament of confession by receiving Holy Communion, beginning these habits of prayer. But then we think also about like distraction and dispersion. Sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we're kind of slothful in the sense that the thought of trying to pursue God is an oppressive one. And we're like, ah, yeah, maybe ne- never later sometime, whatever, you know, so there's that. And then sometimes, you know, like the the world just kind of creeps in and we make a strange compromise with it or we make a strange treaty with it. And then we're abiding things that we perhaps need not abide. And so it becomes a matter of like, you know, like what type of media are you consuming or how engaged are you on the Internet or what are ways in which, you know, like your your attention is being drawn in uh, a million different directions. And so with with these recommendations that we see here, he's saying, all right, if the, there, there might be a cause for your dryness. So address those causes, whether it be sin or desire for sin or distraction or dispersion or whatever it is. All right. But but it might not have an easily identifiable cause. And then, you know, you you pray throughout the course of the day in the ways that he's recommending, you know, small aspirational prayers, you know, morning, morning off when you get up, you know, like examination of conscience when you go to bed, carve out the time for meditation, best done in the morning, but then punctuate the day throughout, et cetera, et cetera. He's got all these great recommendations. And then sometimes you're just going to, you're going to stay dry. And in those moments, you just cling to Christ. There's an image of St. Dominic, the founder of our order, who is uh, kneeling at the base of the crucifix as, you know, our Lord's precious blood streams from his side and, you know, kind of, uh, what would you say? It, it washes St. Dominic at the foot of the cross, but he's there, he's kneeling and he's clinging to the cross. And I think that's a good image for what we do in dryness of prayer. If we are to be refreshed by our Lord's precious blood, you know, it's it's in his good time. Uh, but what what's for us to do, it's just to cling to the cross. And that often just looks very simple in the day-to-day, just showing up, right? Just continuing in the habits that, that God has sown in our hearts. Yeah, there's... It might be the serenity prayer. I can't say the word. Obviously, I don't pray it if I can't even say it. (laughs) But um, the idea that like we can, and the reality that we can only control what we have control over. Um, So with respect to dryness and the things that Father Gregory was just describing, we do have control over some of these things. You know, whether or not we're committing grave sin or even venial sin how we are sort of filling our minds throughout the day like is it is it a constant bombardment of this and that are we sort of being conditioned for a life of prayer a devout life or is this just this sort of atomized or secluded time in our day when we when it's the only time we think about god is is for this for this sort of time and if that's the case then we're we're not setting ourselves up for success if that makes sense so it's it's a whole picture kind of thing like what are we doing how are we helping ourselves in this throughout our day throughout what we do and as too as as you said father gregory sometimes it's just like prayer is rough but that does not mean that our lord is not at work our lord doesn't need us to feel good about prayer to make us holy 
You know, our Lord doesn't need us to be perfect to make us holy. And we ought to take consolation in that. We ought to take consolation in our Lord's desire to continually draw us to himself. Um, yeah, and I think some tips, too, that that St. Francis offered, you know, in the reading is reading spiritual works, uh, scripture, turning to vocal prayer. These things are important. You know, we're not trapped just in meditation. We can do other things. Um I think an important point here is that that prayer, our meditation, our time with God is not programmatic. It's not as if like, this is it, and this is the only way. It's a conversation with God. It's a conversation with a friend. And sometimes we talk, sometimes we listen, sometimes we just sit with, sometimes we cling to the cross, as Father Gregory described St. Dominic doing. Um, and here, we need to be patient, because what works for me might not work for Father Gregory. And what works for Father Gregory, I can guarantee you probably won't work for me. And <laughs> what works for, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, we have to find, the, our relationship with Christ is a personal one in, in ways, and we have to find what works for our prayer. And this might change in different seasons of our lives and that sort of thing, but but we need to be attentive and patient to all of these, all of these realities. So Father Gregory, some final words, a final thought on, on dryness, on obstacles to prayer, on, yeah, what we've heard from from St. Francis today. At uh, Steubenville, I was a student at Steubenville, and a word that was often said in the context of like uh, men's prison worship night was that prayer should be raw, um, which is like a, a thing you say right before you beat your breast and run around campus like, let's go. Um, but, but I do want to underscore that, that prayer shouldn't be tame because God is not tame, right? God's wild. He's terrible and good, as C.S. Lewis says. And... And so sometimes we try to buffer ourselves from the experience of the wildness of prayer. It's like, yeah, I, I just want to feel good about this experience. So I'm going to schedule it. You know, I'm going to pray a rosary for the first 15 minutes and then read sacred scripture for the next 15 minutes and then prayer petition for the next 15 as I work through my lists and then prayers Thanksgiving for my next 15 as I work through my lists. It's like, okay, you know, it's those things are all good. But I would say don't make it such that your holy hour or however many minutes you dedicate to prayer um, are so overscheduled that they don't afford you the opportunity for this mental prayer, for this encounter with God. So it's fascinating here that in this section, St. Francis de Sales says, all right, if you're experiencing acute dryness, then, you know, bring in some more scripture, maybe bring in some more spiritual reading, use some more vocal prayer, these aspirational prayers, as it were, to stir up devotion, to kindle devotion. But if, you know, if you're not troubled by the dryness, then just continue to expose yourself, you know, mind and heart to God and receive him back in return, not always going to be something that feels good, not always going to be something that registers uh, in your humanity in a recognizable way, but we can have the confidence that God continues to give himself to us and that if we entrust ourselves to that act of prayer and to him who meets us in that act of prayer, that God will bring about in us a deeper and deeper conversion. So don't be afraid to be vulnerable in prayer. Don't be afraid to be a little bit exposed in prayer. You know, permit that that experience be something a little bit raw. There you have it. Thanks. Thanks for that, Father Gregory. An image I think that I will try to get rid of, but I, I appreciate it nonetheless. That's what we have for you today. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're always interested in getting to know the digital community, so please join us at our next Godsplaining event, whether it be a pilgrimage, a retreat, or something else. Details and applications can be found at godsplaining.org. As always, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics.